This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here in the Northern Rockies, dark winter months are outlasted in basements, dens, and nooks where kindred souls gather together to share intel, swap fly patterns, and relive the memories from seasons past. This gathering spot known locally as the February Room is the inspiration for this podcast. No matter the season, the door is always open to those with a fly fishing story to tell. Brought to you by CD Fishing USA, the North American distributor for composite development fly rods and accessories. 40 years of Kiwi ingenuity and graphite technology now available at cd-fishing.us or your local CD USA dealer. Follow us on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. And remember to go fishing. Here's your host, the Karnoffs, and this is the February Room. Last summer, a friend and I had grabbed our bikes and made our way up the mountain to fly fish. With a fly rod over my shoulder, gear and launch on the other side, the five-mile bike was a juggling act. What made this ride feel more like a circus is when a storm rolled in and cut our time on the water short. As I made my descent down the mountain, I looked down and realized my bike had a flat, a total blowout flat. So I had to carry my bike and my gear on my shoulder back to the truck. Today, my guest is going to share some new gear that could make ha- that could have made my day somewhat more enjoyable. Welcome to the podcast, John Smiggy, CEO, co-founder of Trestle in Helena, Montana. Thank you so much for joining me today, John. Thanks for having me, Lauren. I'm excited. 
And I wish I had known all about what you guys do over at Trestle before my big adventure. It was really quite <laughs> miserable. Like when I looked down, it wasn't like, oh, you know, we kept on trying to blow it up and um, it did not work. And so it was a lot of gear, a lot of um, pleasant words were coming down the mountain. But before we go into more about what Trestle and your company, I would love to hear a fly fishing story. Sure. Yeah. So, um, first of all, sorry to hear about your adventure, but <laughs> I wish I could have been across the river to hear all those expletives as you were coming. Oh down my there. gosh. It was awful. Um, yeah, let's see a uh, good fly fishing story. <clears throat> trying to think of one that, uh, you know, I don't, I don't share often. I tend to always use the same general ones. Let's talk about, um, I have a pretty cool, uh, King salmon, uh, story, I guess it's pretty pretty wild. So um, years ago, I, I was fishing in Kodiak, Alaska, um, and we we have a yearly kind of family trip that we go on uh, with my dad, my uncle, my cousin, and um, it's a, we've been doing it about 16 years now. Um, so we go and we swing flies for king salmon. Uh, essentially, we just swing flies through the water and every once in a while, somebody catches a fish. Um, but uh, basically, long story short, I had a really tough season a few years back, I was the only one that hadn't hooked in. It was like four or five days into the sea or into the trip, I should say, and very few salmon in the in the system at the time. And so I was swinging through this really long kind of tail out, and really methodically, I was kind of envisioning like Pacific Northwest steelhead tactics, where I was moving six inches after every five casts and just really methodically going through the 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 hole, and then. Anyway, I finally hooked into one and I was all excited. You know, I'm yelling for my cousin to come down, help me tail it. And after a really long battle, it's starting to come in and I'm, I was super nervous because I thought maybe I foul hooked it or something because it was acting real weird. It was fighting really strange. And I'm like, God, I don't know what's going on. So we start getting it in and I'm like, where's it hooked? Where's it hooked? You know, and he's out in the water trying to grab it. And he goes, I don't, I don't see a hook anywhere. And we're, we're looking at it and so when we do finally he grabs it he tails it and i start walking over to it we can't understand how it's hooked and we find out that i had lassoed it so <laughs> the line was all the way around it and then the hook hooked the fishing line not the fish and it was just holding on to it by like around it's sort of by its adipose i guess you know kind of between there and the tail oh my gosh and what are the chances that you know it kind of just i don't know why it sounded like you know, when you have a, where you're bowling and there's like two pins on one side and one's on the other and you're like, there's no way I'm never going to get that. <laughs> yeah. And then you kind of hit the pin and then it goes across. Yeah. I mean, what are the chances that you could, po that could possibly happen? I mean, the current must have like looped it around or? Well, for, as far as your analogy, I don't know what that would be like, Lauren, because I don't <laughs> understand how, I just went to the Trout Unlimited uh, bowling here in Helena last weekend, and uh, it was the worst bowler by far of everyone there, so I, just got, <laughs> I cannot relate, but. <laughs> as TLC, TLC says, you just got to stick to the rivers and the lakes that you're used to. That's right, um. that's right, uh, but yeah, I think that, that must have been what it was. I, I really don't know, you know, I was, I I really don't. I like to think he went for it and somehow that happened, but maybe it just went over top of him and that, I don't know. It was very wild though, but, um, it's been something that oh, I joke with my uh, family all the time about it. I always ask them if they've ever lassoed a salmon before and landed it. 
Um, well, I make, think that should that should be a bumper sticker, right? Yeah, it should be. <laughs> there's, there's always some stickers of some fish on a cowboy, and this one you can just have lassoed on the fish. There you go. Well, John, <laughs> I am so um, interested in trestle, and uh, I and you know it's spelled T R X S T L E, but pronounced trestle, correct? Yeah, we just wanted to make it hard on everyone. Well, I I mean in the beginning I was I think I've called you guys for like the past three months tricks. Trixel. And um, mm-hmm. I, then I was like, oh, I am saying it completely wrong. But I'm so interested because I think as anglers, we're always, we, uh, we're we gear junkies. And it's also um, a lot of managing this gear, especially when you're going to go on the water. And um, would love to hear about how did Trestle come to fruition? Sure. Yeah. So the X in our name is sort of a throwback to that classic Trestle aesthetic you know the 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 cross beams um that's sort of why we did that and also we did it because it was unique and fun and we thought it would be kind of cool to kind of have that company name uh that nobody really knew how to say kind of like ruka but everyone you know calls it (laughs) rvca sort of like that um so but it, it came because uh my business partner uh morgan uh, we, the two of us were working together uh, for a few different engineering jobs. We're both mechanical engineers by trade and, uh, designing products. And one of those jobs was at a locomotive firm, uh, which is sort of where that trestle name comes from as well, uh, trestle bridges. And so we were designing locomotives for uh, Cummins diesel, as well as, uh, the Machu Picchu tourist trail line. Um, and, uh, one day it was a Tuesday. We came into work and the building was quite literally chained shut. And the um, president of that company had taken everyone's payroll money and fled the country. Um, what a so great was, boss! Yeah, so that uh, inspired me to a hopefully be a better boss one day, and b um, uh, you know we had no choice but to find other employment. So Morgan and I both pursued a few other engineering jobs that we saw in the area. This was in Olympia, Washington. And, um, I was, you know, I went to school there and got married there. So I was living there. And, uh, anyway, we decided to start our own company. And so we started a company called Oak Avenue engineering. It's a engineering firm, product design firm that still exists. And we were doing product design for uh, mountain biking and some fly fishing brands, as well as primarily in the medical space, medical device space. Um, and, Morgan really liked it and I liked working with Morgan, but unless we were doing an outdoor product, I really wasn't very engaged. I don't think I didn't really like just engineering, you know, really cool products that do a lot of good. So that's really, you know, obviously it's a feel good thing to be doing, but I just kind of started dreading it pretty quick. And that's not why I started a company. I didn't want to come to work dreading Monday, you know? And, uh, so we decided to start our own company and tossed around a lot of names. Trestle's the one that stuck. And we decided we wanted to be known for sort of a crossover fly fishing and mountain biking company that designed products to carry gear in those spaces and hopefully combine both of those pursuits. And uh, here we are. I mean, I like I said in the beginning of my of my storytelling, I wish I had known about um, a, a, a better way of carrying my gear. Did you, have you noticed like when you were going out, like in the outdoor space, you're like, why hasn't someone done something like this? Like, is that how it came to you? Just one day of just always going out, fly fishing, mountain biking, and just realize that there wasn't enough, um, there wasn't enough gear that actually helped you out with carrying it to your destination. Yeah, that, that is 
basically where it came from. I mean, I think maybe to take it a little deeper, I, being from, you know, Helena and, and just growing up fly fishing, that's just always been the thing I was the most passionate about. Um, and Morgan, my partner, was the exact same way, but with mountain biking. So he's truly the mountain bike guy, and I would be the fly fishing person. And um, obviously we wanted to find a way to combine them. But yeah, we started noticing that every time we went out and went fishing, or mountain biking we always saw rivers or you know downhill right like what we were doing the other one so we always wanted to bring both and yeah we you know when we launched with our fly rod carrier uh, for your roof um, you know that was our first carry product and we just saw a lot of improvements that could be made that we wanted to tackle and uh, and then we had started working on our new product this year which you were just talking about called the Jerian um, and and so really we were supposed to launch with both those at the same time, uh, but the development of the Jerian took us the last uh, three and a half years to get right. So. What, what did you have to get right with that? Uh, some of that has to do with uh, patents and some of it has to do with um, just completely redesigning it from our, our original concept. The mounting was totally different. It was like uh, motorized ratchet straps that created mounting points on a bicycle frame. Um, within the triangle and then you can mount to that and we ran that for probably a year and a half and tested it and did failure testing and just kind of out of the blue came up with a way superior well, I wouldn't say out of the blue but we came up with a superior <laughs> system over years I, would, I don't think that's called out of the blue right but, right lots uh, of testing <laughs> yeah lots of testing uh and and just came up with the the one you see today what do you find is the most like since you've like come up with all of these inventions like are you constantly in the wheelhouse like as you're riding the bike and you've now you've got this you know you've got your the trixel you got your rig on your car you got your mountain bike are you starting to realize that there's other spaces that you need to keep filling yeah, I think, you know, we really want to keep focused with mountain biking and, and fly fishing. I mean, our whole mission is carry products, right? You know, we want to, we don't want to make the actual, you know, gear in regards to a bike or a reel or a rod, but we want to make things that carry that stuff. So, um, yeah, we are constantly, uh, just because of our backgrounds, I think, uh, designing and improving and adding. And, you know, we, something we really are proud of is, we don't ever make something that we didn't fully design from scratch. You know, we don't, we don't purchase product and put our name on it. You know, we always are the engineers behind it. Oh, I love that. Now, are you more of like, do you like to mountain bike and fly fish? Is that kind of your go-to? I did a, a lot in Washington state for steelhead, a lot. Um, that's how I got to most of the water. And that's sort of why I was like, we need something to carry these rod tubes so that I'm not pinching my brake lines and crashing um, with my bungee cord. So that that's definitely part of it, yeah. But um, I don't do it as much now. To be honest with you, I haven't fished very much this last probably year, year and a half. I've just been really busy. And um, my wife and I moved back to Helena finally. So there's been a lot of transition. And then, of course, the company, we split. So our corporate office is in Washington still with my business partner. And operations are now run. So we do manufacturing and quality control and fulfillment here in Helena. So there's just been a lot of moving parts. What made you decide to move back to Helena? Um, well, I've been trying to since I left. So, uh, <laughs> I think actually uh, COVID kind of helped us um, move that timeline ahead just because uh, my wife's job went fully remote and that was sort of what was holding us there. Um, and so that allowed us to 
they, you know, Hey, this could be a good time just to go ahead and I guess rip the bandaid off, so to speak, and finally get home. So I uh, couldn't be happier. I, I missed home a lot. Well, and I, I can feel, I can relate to that feeling. I remember when Justin and I got relocated to, um, from Missoula to Peoria, Illinois for some job, for some work that, um, as soon as we left in the beginning, I was like, yeah, this, this date is awful. February is horrible. Like we should just try some different state. And the moment we moved to Peoria, Illinois, we were working so hard to move back. And I promised myself, I was like, I promise if I, if I get to move back to Montana, I, I will not complain about the weather. And that lasted for probably about two years. I really didn't complain about the weather. And, um, Hence, now I have a podcast called The February Room based on the weather in Montana. Yeah, I was going to say, and then The February Room happened. And then The February Room where I'm able to just talk about the weather in Montana. But um, I love your story. And, you know, um, I, I think Helena is such a cool place to grow up and also just the waters that are around there. Um, can you give a little bit of description about your home waters up there? that you enjoy? Yeah. So, I mean, I have a lot of smaller streams that I go to, you know, but obviously the, the Missouri, you know, the Mo flows essentially through town and, uh, you know, we've got Craig and Wolf Creek just up the road. Um, but you know, I definitely kind of learned on the Missouri, um, you know, with my family and, uh, I, I really, I do travel over to the Blackfoot sometimes, um, and fish, but there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of really good water just near town, you know, whether it's, going up to the Missouri, uh, or even I've been doing a lot of ice fishing this year, uh, which has been kind of fun, uh, kind of not a fly fishing thing necessarily, but I do use flies. Yes. Oh, you do. Well, that's exciting. Have you had much success this winter? Uh, not I did last winter this winter has been uh the not my year let's put it that way yes yeah now can you ride a, like a mountain bike into the middle of the lake and then drill your hole with all your gear on there yeah you know I don't have a I saw a lot of e-bikes like fat fat tire e-bikes and they were out there on uh they were up at Canyon Ferry there was quite a few of them out there I, I don't have one so I was making my dog pull my sled but um but yeah, you could. There are some serious mountain bikes up there, like with the bit, like you said, the big fat tires. Um, mm-hmm. And when I saw all the new equipment that you guys were coming up with, I was like, this is, I mean, you could seriously do some major camping. Um, can you give a little bit more of aspects of like exactly the, um, the gear that you can like mount onto your bike? And then like, how much can it hold? Can I go like, I do a lot of girls mountain bike trip or not we go backpacking we go fly fishing but i thought this would be so great we could put all of our backpacks on there our tents and trek up the mountain yeah absolutely that's exactly what it's for um yeah so it is a universal system um so it mounts to an e-bike a road bike a full suspension bike which is really unique because um currently if you want to put you know for instance like a triangle bag on you know whatever maybe your gravel bike or whatever kind of hybrid you might have or, or your mountain bike um, you're really limited to that specific frame right because it's shaped in that way and if you have a full suspension bike you really can't use that bag anymore so now you'd have to come up with mounting points either on your front forks or you know on the rear tire so uh, and when you do that using those traditional methods you really mess with the suspension and kind of the design of the bike right so you know if you think about I'm going to put a whole bunch of, on my forward, you know, mount on my forks, I'm going to put a bunch of camping gear, like you said, like your, you know, your pack and sleeping bags and a fly rod. Um, You're really 
completely preloading those forks. You're taking up a lot of the travel. Um, so your bike's just not going to perform quite the way it was intended, especially with your, you know, descending. Um, so one of the really nice things about the Jerion is it mounts to universal mounting points. And when you load up each end, the, the fender that it creates over the rear tire, and then similarly, the same fender it creates over the front tire, uh, you're actually loading it through the triangle of the bike, right? So your suspension's being loaded in the way it's intended. Um, but as far as weight goes, yeah, you can put 20 pounds on the front, 20 pounds on the back, no problem. Um, you can go more, but we failure rated it to that. I think when you start, I mean, some of the e-bike guys would like to carry more, I'm sure. But if you're pedaling, you don't really want to be putting much more than that on there anyway. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I wouldn't want to be doing that anyways. I mean, also it's more gear you're having to uh, set up and then put away. It's almost like cleaning up a house. You're <laughs> Like you bring it in the house, you got to clean it up. Um, and also yeah. you have the, the cool, um, the CRC system, um, with the rack on top of your, uh, car. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Because you do see, I mean, in Missoula fly, gosh, you can see in the morning, you'll see a bunch of guides with, um, in the fly rod holders up there. And, um, in the beginning, Justin's my husband's like, I don't know if I really would ever want anything like that. And I'm like, well, you know what? If you're just like want to get up and just go and not to mess with your fly rod and put it together. Um, I think it's, I think it's very handy. Yeah. So there's, there's definitely, you know, Justin is sort of the reason it was sort of the target when I, when we launched that product, that yeah, was very similar. Um, so our, our product telescopes. So it starts at a carry case mode. It has a shoulder strap. Um, so the product actually comes at about 45 inches, um, fully collapsed. That's how it comes out of the box. And then it telescopes out to about 10 and a half feet. Um, so you actually get four mounting lengths. You can mount it all the way closed. I can't think of a reason you'd want to do that, but <laughs> you could, if, if you had like a mini Cooper and you just wanted to look cool, I guess, and let everyone know you fly fish, you could do that. Um, but, uh, you certainly can mount it in half length and three quarter length is really popular. Uh, because if you've got like a Subaru or, you know, any kind of car really, um, and, and you want to mount it, you don't always need a 10 and a half foot thing on top of your car. And so, you know, you can mount it at three quarter lengths and in almost every configuration, you can just quickly without even taking it off, pull that final section out while it's on your car. And now you're at 10 feet, four inches. You can put your rigged, you know, flyer out in there. Um, and there's no tools. So part of the reason we or part of the, the goal with the product was to be quick on quick off you know so if you don't need it on there all the time maybe you live in like a covered parking area you know so it doesn't fit or you don't want it on in the winter something like that you know you just can quickly take it off we've got a keyed system for the clamps you just remove it they actually store inside the housing if you wanted them to they clip right into the lid collapse it all down you could put it in a closet you could carry it on a plane whatever you want and it's not this huge 50 plus pound product Right. Cause that's the biggest thing. Cause I have a toolie on the, on my truck right now or on my car right now, my Volkswagen, and I need to go to the car wash and they're like, yeah, you need to take that off before you go in there. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. oh man, I, I think I'm going to have like the kids have like a car wash and we'll have some sponges because I do not yeah. want to dismount this thing. It's so heavy. You have to lock it, then have to rechain it. And then I'm also one of those anxious people. Like, did I do it right? Like, am I going to be driving? And all of a sudden I'm going to hear someone crashing behind me so 
<laughs> to have the ability to have something that's easy to mount, take on. And also, you know, you do see a lot of, especially when you start fly fishing a lot in the summertime and guides probably in particular, a lot of the time they just end up leaving their rods in the in the car or in the truck. And I always wonder that the heat of the car, especially in the summertime, is not great for those fly rods to be sitting in the car. So I think having another, um, to have something that protects your gear, which is, you know, you put a lot of investment in your fly rods, in your reels, in your lines. And, um, I mean, it's easy to, to say that heat can have some huge, um, problems if you just leave them in the car seven days a week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they just, you know, you're kind of asking for damage if you've got a dog or kids or something like that, you know, or, or a really, uh, excited client, you know, you're, you're going to have a potential to break a rod if it's running through the inside. So, um, you know, we, that's, that's actually funny. You say that we do get that question quite a bit about, um, you know, I live in Arizona. Can I leave my rod inside the carrier? Uh, you know, those types of things. And one, re- one really nice thing about that product is, um, you know, so we, if you notice, if you look at it, there's a few really big differences between that and the ones on the market. Uh, the biggest one and kind of part of our patent was the fact that the reels are going upward. So they're facing up. So that's just so you're not riding on your guides when it's uh, inside the carrier because it's a pretty fragile part of the rod. And uh, it's definitely an area where damage can occur, you know, fracturing can happen if it's faced the other direction. But um, another benefit though, is that we have these liners that go down the center and they're suspended in there on springs and there's kind of a softer material. So they're not going to damage your fly rod. Um, But there's basically a vent across the whole bottom of the aluminum because you don't need a closed aluminum shell because your rods are inside of our uh, softwall plastic inside the the system so anyway what that does is allow for a lot of cooling to happen i mean i'm just looking at it all right now i mean it totally makes sense that that's the way you'd want it to go right like you really would want it it to be sitting yeah it it makes sense but you know you know what's funny about that is i was totally against that Um, really i was the one design i was designing that product and my partner morgan was like why don't we just put it upright because then you're not i was trying to get around when you're putting a rod in snagging up like while you're inserting it, you know? And I was like, how do I fix this? And we realized if I point the reel up, it, that eliminates almost all of it. Um, and so I was like, well, that's cool. But then, you know, I was trying to figure it out. He goes, why don't we just mount it with the reels facing upward? And I think it's just because I grew up fly fishing. I'm like, that's not how they go. You know, like I was just, I hated it so much. I was like, no way. And he's like, okay. Cause he doesn't really fly fish. He's a mountain bike guy. So he's like, all right, man, whatever. And then it ended up being kudos to Morgan. It's probably one of the most important parts of the whole product. So. Yeah. You know, sometimes it takes somebody else's like viewpoint because I think as fly anglers, like sometimes I'll have somebody come and give me some pointers. I'm like, no, like you're kind of ruining, like I, I've got it figured out and I'm not going to try <laughs> yeah. something new by moving my thumb. Like my thumb is pointing down the rod. Like, oh, you know, people are starting to move their thumb on the rod. And I was like, huh? No. I mean, why? <laughs> that's wrong. I, that's yeah, no. wrong. And he's this person, <laughs> he was a guide was like, no, you can move your thumb. And I was like, man, you cannot teach me a new trick. Like I'm, I'm feeling the vibe right now. I'm starting to now get my, I'm feeling good about my double haul. And now you're going to tell me to move my thumb. It's not happening. So it is sometimes nice when you have somebody who's not like in totally invested in fly fishing, cause they can see it in a totally different way than the way that we're kind of stuck in our, in our way of yeah. fly fishing. 
Absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree. And it, like you just said, even when it comes to fishing itself, you know, some of the best advice I've ever got from presenting a fly was from someone that, well, two people that didn't even, they've never even fly fish, but they're huge, like swim bait bass anglers. Oh, wow. What was like one of the best tips that you received from one of them? Uh, I was trying to, as in Washington, I was trying to target really big largemouth bass because there was this really cool lake that had huge fish in it and the trout fishing's not really like it is in Montana. Not that you can't catch trout there, but Western Washington's a lot different. So um, anyway, I was just struggling with all the different techniques that I was used to when I presented streamers or any kind of, you know, jig hook style uh, fly. and. I just really couldn't get them to take and these guys were just showing me hey no you know you they're gonna hit it on the down they don't hit it like a small mouth like they're gonna hit it when it's falling do it this way when you cast try to make it make more noise you know totally contrary to what you do as a trout angler you know and uh anyway just like so much not casting right but like presentation of it in the water like how i stripped it how i twitched it all that stuff a hundred percent it's kind of like if you have a what is it like a hopper it's gonna make that plop noise sure yeah. yeah same idea yeah absolutely yep. well i mean on top of all the cool like gear you have you also have apparel which i see this rain i'm like i love your guys's rain jacket that would have helped on my trip as well <laughs> <laughs> i should have just i could have bought yeah, everything, have bought everything. Your, i yeah, should have just done everything. everything right there right before i went on my mountain bike fly fishing uh chaos um that is so how did you come up with the apparel like how did that then launch into like hey i'm seeing that now maybe we need to like dab over here into apparel yeah so we we kind of launched originally apparel was like you know just like most hard good brands it's like we're gonna put out a logo hat maybe a t-shirt with our logo on it you know just to try to get our name out there um but you know I was, I'm really weird about, I'm not an apparel designer or a clothing designer by any means, but, um, I ended up having a relationship with, uh, someone who does, who works in manufacturing for like technical apparel for some really big brands. And, um, so she knew how, like, so for instance, like none of our t-shirts are like a box shirt that we put our logo on. So when I say like none of our products are like that, like none of our products are. So I went to the factory, said, I hate it when sleeves fit like this. I don't like it when I lift my arms and my shirt fits like this. How do we like, it's like we redid like all of our t-shirts are done like that. And like, I don't want tags here. I want a little tag on my sleeve, like all those kinds of details. So, um, I was like, so into it that it just seemed kind of silly to just not actually try to push apparel. And then we, ended up having this idea of why don't we find like a starting kind of, I'm not going to say unknown, but uh, a starting artist, you know, someone who's not super well known and uh, partner with them, throw them concepts and then see if we just do like an artist series every year. And that's where all of our designs will come from. And uh, we'll put those designs on the apparel that, you know, I design. And so we started doing that, I don't know, four or five years ago, I guess. So every year we have a new artist, uh, that, that comes up with five to 10, you know, different designs. And, uh, weirdly enough, our apparel is actually what got us in almost all of our largest, you know, retail locations. Wow. Um, yeah. So I would have thought maybe I can beg them to stock my hat, but they'll take the fire rod <laughs> carrier and the cases, right? No brainer. But actually they reached out to us, um, and said, hey, we want like a full run of all your tees and your technical apparel. We want your sun hoodie, um, like all this kind of stuff. And then over time, 
they brought in our hard goods. I think that's a, they're like, let's just test the waters, right? Like we're not going to, we're mm-hmm. not going to jump right into the big gear. Let's just see how they can do in apparel. And if this stuff can hold, hold up, um, then they're, then these engineers are on to something. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Yeah. It's like, we're really starting with the thing I know very little about in comparison. <laughs> well, I mean, and the other thing is just yesterday, Justin, um, we got some great swag and I love also the bump, the stickers, the bumper stickers. And I think there is one that really spoke to me is the mom and dad um, fly fishing with their with the little, with the kid right below them. And I was like, I think that one's going to go on my um, on my Thule that will never leave my Volkswagen. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the Memory Lake. That was our new new artist series for the year called our River Bum series. Yeah. So we tried to kind of loosely base it off different and our, kind of our whole thing is everybody pursues these outdoor, whether it's fly fishing or mountain biking, a little differently. Um, and there's not really like the correct way to do it. I think the correct way to do it is being, you know, conscious of the environment and, and where you're recreating, obviously. But uh, beyond those, you know, conscientious decisions that you'll make while you're out there, um, you know, there's not really a right way. When we started this company, I really didn't like that I would see maybe guys going to go fly fish and They've got, uh, you know, like they're younger. They've got different clothes on that I wear because I'm old. Um, and, and they've got, you know, hip hop that I've never heard playing, you know. And so it must mean they don't, you know, know what they're doing and that they're not supposed to be doing this. And I just uh, totally resent that. And I, uh, I just like trying to welcome whether you're that or whether you're, you know, you're more stereotypical guy that golfs and fly fishes and likes his canvas gear. And you know what I mean? So like you're, everybody's welcome out there. So, Absolutely. Yeah. The, I say this all the time. No fish in in the water is going to think to themselves, who's the one behind the line? You know what I mean? Like yeah, it's well said. It's yeah. anybody's game to go fishing. And, um, and I think that <clears throat> I think as fly fishing is starting to gain more, um, attention, I think, um, maybe all levels are starting to be to tr- want to try and experiment with fly fishing because in the beginning it just used to be like whether you fly fish or you were an, an expert like there was no middle ground and um, I think it's nice to see that that's kind of changing um, and I think with companies like Trestle um, I think it's just more of like creating a welcoming environment for everyone to join in the outdoors. Yeah, I totally, totally agree. And I think, uh, I think it's important, you know, like I said, there's always like, it's kind of hard to walk that line in a way because, you know, you, you do get some attitudes where you're like, you know, that's not really, you're not really putting the fishery first, um, with that kind of attitude. And so it's like, how do I welcome those people in? And I think that something I see really done poorly, like on social media or wherever it, it might be is, is instead of like, seeing their interest in the activity and then trying to educate a little bit about how maybe just a couple changes would, would make a big difference in, in what you're doing. They just kind of condemn. Um, and, and I think education's the key. Absolutely. And also, um, I think if you have more people who are invested in the waters, like want to participate with love comes like protection, like you're going to want to protect the things that you love. And so hopefully if mm-hmm. we get people who are, educated about the water system and like, Hey, this is what's going on this year in Montana. This is what's going on in Oregon, you know, steelhead fishing. Like we need to be, we need to have people who speak up. And I think the only way that when you have people who speak up on the waters and 
conservation um, is when people are invested in them. And so, because um, I mean, somebody who's just playing video games downstairs in their basement is probably never going to be really all that concerned with the steelhead population. Uh, maybe. You know. Yeah, not really. Yeah. No. Maybe in the metaverse. Yeah, 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 in the metaverse. Maybe if they're maybe if they're a fly fishing guide. Actually, is there even a game like that? Could you imagine? I'm a fly fishing guide. These are the three people you got to go down the river. Um, so, like John, what is you know? I think when you create something, you're hoping that what you're bringing to the table is going to create a better environment or better experience for people who are using it. What was your goal when you're coming up with um, with Trestle? Well, you know, I think very first it was, uh, you know, I like to call it product first. You know, I saw, so you, know, you got to kind of, I guess in a way, hear me out on it because I think um, focusing on what I do and Morgan and I and now our whole company do really well is, you know, we design products. We, we design products and we come up with, you know, uh, input from guides or or just any consumer really and then we implement them um, and and try to do things in a very different way like for instance you know mounting differently to your boat because I was tired of my box flying all over the place when I go down the river it's like just little things and then hearing from you know a bunch of people at a trade show saying um, hey you know that's a cool idea but actually this would be way better like when we whitewater guide this is something that doesn't you know we haven't seen and that'd be really cool and then we took that and said yeah i totally agree i think we should totally do that so uh, product first is important because it's what we know and if you have a really good quality product i think you'll then have a really good quality company and brand you know that people can trust and depend on and when you have that then you can really leverage it to make a difference and i think what we stand for is uh i think the best way to say it would be being welcoming you know, I, I really liked being welcoming. You know, I, something that with the company that happened was my wife actually told me this. She told me about maybe three or four years into having Trestle and, and running the company. And um, she said, you know, it's funny to watch your company kind of is a lot of people that are learning, you know, like a lot of the anglers that we talk with and that buy our stuff were like excited and kind of learning. And my wife said, that's really interesting because that's everybody I fished with sort of on accident where I was like, I was introducing people. I, I very rarely for about 20 years, I didn't really fish with anybody that I grew up fishing with. Like we went on a few trips, you know, but I didn't go out and like beat, beat the pass of the river with another guy who was really just out there to quote, you know, like get it done, like really, you know, pay attention and spend, I was pretty much always going with someone that this was their third time or their first time. And I, it wasn't on purpose. It's just sort of how it happened, I guess. And I really enjoyed showing them and I wasn't, a, I'm not a guide or anything, but you know, just kind of introducing them and showing them why it's important to care about this and, and why this is important. Um, so as the company's grown with that outlook, I definitely, we've, we've started really partnering with tons of conservation groups and doing, you know, clean, clean water initiatives, which is really important. Uh, I, I'm actually on a board with uh, Upper Missouri uh, watershed Alliance, which is a conservation group for the Upper Missouri watershed here in Montana, um, and we do a ton of work with biologists and trying to understand, you know, noxious weed growth and bank restoration and water temps and insect life. And so, you know, obviously we donate a lot of 
our proceeds every year to that organization and others like it. Wow, I love it. You're not only just walk. You're not just walking. What? How does that go? How does that say? You're not walk. You're not just talking the talk. <laughs> you're walking the walk. Is that how it goes? Yeah, I think that's how it goes. I'm not the right guy to ask. I, I swear, I can't talk. Very oh well most gosh, times. Justin will look at me sometimes on the podcast, or he'll listen to the podcast, and he's like, "What did you just say?" And I was like, uh, <laughs> "Like, did you just, did you just quote TLC?" Yeah, I did. It's like the only thing I can actually quote correctly is music. (laughs) But, um, you know, if people are starting to look at their gear and especially I think as um, I try and expand into fly fishing, I actually really enjoy going into these small creeks and um, like it's, you know, go on a mountain bike ride. Um, You know, I think a lot of people are trying to expand other than just like, you know, the big rivers and like, let's go places that nobody else can really access. You know, you got to use a bike, you know, you can't just grab your car. Um, But if people are wanting to um, upgrade their gear or maybe get some gear, like get outside, what's the best way for them to purchase any of the trestle items that we have talked about? Yeah. So, I mean, we always encourage people to try to their local fly shop or bike shop, um, you know, start there. Uh, we're always growing. We're in uh, a little over 200 locations now, but you know, it's sounds like a huge number, but it's not that many across the country, you know, so sometimes you can't find it locally. So if you can't, uh, you certainly can go to trestle.com um, and shop there. You know, we have our full, full catalog available on the website. Um, and, uh, you know, you can also visit some other great retailers like backcountry.com places like that they have our stuff um so uh, you definitely can should be able to find it and uh yeah I, I totally agree with you as far as the taking the mountain bike to smaller creeks or you know further back i think it's becoming more and more common uh lauren i i i a lot of it has to do with you know the forest service roads not being accessible by motor vehicle in many states in many places um, they're gated off. So to get farther back there, you sort of need to use a mountain bike. Well, and when we talk about like how busy, as you probably have noticed, I mean, in the summertime, it, the, the waters are getting much, you know, people are coming here, they want to go fly fishing and as they should. And uh, for me, sometimes um, that can be less relaxing when I go fishing is when I see too many people on the water. Um, and so getting out mm-hmm. on a bike or doing these small creeks and going for a hike, brings me more um, relaxation and also just not thinking like, oh, should I fish here? Where's that person going to go? Like, you know, you're just kind of more, you're more focused on your surroundings um, and just being more relaxed when you're not having to worry about the people around you. Yeah, totally. It, it does sort of change it. I think you're kind of talking about that. You know, if you're riding your bike along the, it just slows it down Yeah, a little bit and you're just sort of paying it more attention. I know that there's, you know, there's been times where I went steelheading and I, rode by parts of the river that I usually drove by before it was gated off in that area. And, you know, I found some really, some really nice holding water that I normally just didn't look at because I was so focused on where I was driving. You know? Yeah, that is so true. Well, John, oh, and also, you know, they should follow um, on Instagram. You guys yeah, follow us on Instagram. You create some uh, trick. Trestle creates some really fun video contents. I love watching all the stuff that you guys put together. I mean, you guys are busy nonstop. <laughs> well, thanks. Yeah, we, uh, I love it. That's, well, thanks. Yeah, we, we try to put it out there. We really try to kind of show uh, a little bit like behind the scenes. You know, I kind of have this chef model, I guess we'll call it, where it's like 
I don't, I don't need to be quiet about how we make things or, or, you know, the, even like our manufacturing facility, I try to show videos of us putting stuff together and building things and making things because, um, I want people to kind of see where we come from. We're still a small company and, uh, you know, Social media is a hundred right now. It's just a hundred percent me on all the platforms. I don't have anybody that's really, obviously we have some great like film editors that put together real content, but I'm, I'm the one posting. It. Oh, I love it. Yeah. It's also, it's it, when you started this business from the ground up, it's almost like your little baby and you want to show, you know, like when somebody first has a yeah. baby and everyone's like the first like year, you're just seeing post and post of baby's first <laughs> meal. And this is like, this is my baby. I'm going to be showing you like, this is what we're doing in the background. And um, I think it just shows how much passion you have behind it. Cause I can, I can, I can see it. I watch it. And, um, I think it's just really cool watching a business grow from the ground up and you guys are growing so fast. Well, thanks so much. Yeah. Well, and before we sign off, I just love to hear one more fly fishing story from you. Um, I guess I do have another one. We, uh, I took somebody fishing, uh, who actually, her name's Janelle. She actually does all of our shipping and receiving now here in Helena. Um, but when she was learning to fly fish, I took her out and, uh, was showing her this particular stream and she had kind of a classic dropper type rig, you know, under an indicator cause she's maybe her third or fourth time ever going. And, uh, I knew that this particular, uh, this is an area where there were uh, bull trout and it was in Idaho and, uh, you know, you could target them. And so I knew they were in there, but she was looking for rainbows and she had, um, I believe it was just a little Pat stone type fly with a really small, um, kind of like a, Oh, I guess it was just like, like a soft hackle kind of dropped underneath it. Um, but so she's drifting it through this run and uh, she hooks a fish. The, all hell breaks loose. It's like a really nice rainbow. She's trying to figure out what to do. She's got way too much line in front of her. You know what I mean? So she's like trying to figure out what to do with that. It's like taken off. It's running away. And uh, she finally gets it on and I'm trying to help her get the line untangled and stuff. And she finally gets it on the reel and I'm watching her pull it. And I, it's my rod that she's using and it's just uh, six weight. I'm going, that is unless she foul hooks something, there's no way that rainbow is that big in this river. Um, so I'm going, I think you might have a bull trout and, uh, she's going, what? And you know, she was all freaking out and trying to get it in. And anyway, she, she loses it. It breaks, she breaks the line. She's all disappointed. And she goes, we'll cast, you know, cast out and, and see if you can hook it. And I'm going, that's not how it works. It's gone. Like it's, it's upset. It's got sore mouth. You know what I mean? All the classic stuff that you would say if you've been doing something for a while. And I'm like trying to, I'm trying to act like I'm not super bummed because I was really excited for her, you know? And anyway, so she like literally is so amped on doing it, which is one of the fun things about going with people that are new and just so excited. I go, fine. If, if nothing else, just to make you shut up about it, I will cast out and swing, you know, swing through this run. Literally first cast, I hook a fish. And I'm like, well, that's crazy, right? Like, I didn't think I'd hook anything. And I end up bringing it in. It's a beautiful bowl, really nice fish. Bring it in. I'm going, well, that's not the same one, right? Because this is, cause I'm thinking this has got to be way bigger than what you had. <laughs> so I, I, so anyway, I bring it in. I'm so excited. We're trying to get a photo of it. I, I, it's in the net. And I go to take my fly out. And there is her fly in its mouth. No way. Yeah, I swear to God, she would second it. I know. I wouldn't believe it either. So but, then uh, you pulled her yeah. fly out and gave it back yep. to her and then pulls yours out yep so i had the pat stone and the soft tackle were both on there took that out took mine out and let it what go. are the chances 
I mean, that is That's super weird. So weird because I mean, that bull trout. Maybe maybe he thought like, oh, she won't try again. Maybe that's. Yeah, it's got it. <laughs> She's yeah. not that. I don't crazy. know what he was thinking. <laughs> Apparently, he was very bitey that day. I don't know. Man, that is a great story, and um, I can't thank you enough for joining me on the podcast, John. And I can't wait to keep following the journey of Trestle because I just know um, you guys are doing great things, and there's only be more than wonderful things coming in your future. Well, thank you so much for having me. Go to thefebruaryroom.com where you can access a complete library of our podcast and read more about our guests, their fishing stories, and favorite fly patterns. We're always looking for exceptional fly fishing yarns, and if you have one to spin, shoot us an email at info at thefebruaryroom.com. The February Room is always free, but if you feel like throwing a nickel in the pond, we appreciate any additional listener support. For companies and individuals interested in sponsorship opportunities, please contact us for our media kit. Thanks for stopping by the February Room, and we'll see you down here next week.